This is Coda Radio, episode 559 for February 27th, 2024. there, friends, and welcome back to Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show, taking a pragmatic look at the art and, yes, the business of software development and the whole world of technology. My name is Chris, and over there polishing his Florida Man badge, it's our host, Mr. Dominic. Hello, Mike. Hello, yes. Are you participating in this year's Epic Games? I, I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to become a resident after I heard about this. I had no idea how cool your state was. I mean, I'm jealous. <laughs> so, uh, I the Florida Man games have, uh, have transpired. Big crowds. Big crowds. Crowd. Yep. They have many activities, uh, such as evading the police. These, this is a real thing. E- these are pretend police, right? Evading the police with two pitchers of beer in hand. Um, <laughs> there's gators involved, of course, because yeah. oh, yeah. you can't, I can't. And really, it's I, you, you have some of the highlights here. Uh, I did. You know, I liked this one. I thought maybe this one, it channeled it pretty, pretty good. Um, there was one where uh, the participant was getting interviewed. He says, and he's a spectator, and uh, this is according to the AP. Um, and he said it was a stupidity occurring on the grandest, most spectacular scale. And the quote he said that I loved is, I've lived in Florida my whole life, the guy's name Gordon said, as he's washing sauce from ha- from his hands and beard, <laughs> the AP notes. <laughs> as one does. <laughs> yes. You picture this guy. And here's what he says. He says, they're calling these events. I'm calling this a f- Tuesday afternoon. <laughs> Oh, jeez. I have to tell you, that's fairly accurate. I mean, yeah. yeah. Uh, apparently, there was a muddy water fights where uh, they filled an inflatable pool with muddy water and then contestants beat each other with pool noodles and duct tape. Absolutely. I love the, uh, I love the uh, theft simulation where competitors mm. race with a pair of bicycles, copper pipes, and catalytic converters. So <laughs> that's good. That's very good. 45 bucks. 45 bucks to get in there. They exceeded 5,000 sales. The organizer said, in a disappointed tone, there's typically drugs and nudity, but the city frowned on it when I asked for drugs and nudity. That is kind of the scandal here, right? If it's a Florida-themed event and several people, several lives aren't both created and ended, <laughs> then you, you, you've, you, you've done well, but you haven't really, like, you haven't hit the gator by the tail. God, right? I don't know, man. As I get older, I mean, when I was in my 20s, I would have I cringed all that, but as I get older, I'm like, that just sounds like a good time. Even the authorities here are so aware of our proclivities that they very conveniently, each county has a website where you can just check if someone's, you know, in jail. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. You know, it's all out there. What could be what could be embarrassing about that? Nothing at all. No. Yeah. No. It's nothing at all. No. And that that's not the real reason for this reputation. This is CNN Breaking News. Oh, shoot. As we go on the air, Mr. Dominic, uh, Mark Gurman tweets that Apple has finally canceled the Apple Car Project after a decade. They say that some employees are shifting to generative AI teams at Apple. Totally makes sense, right? The, the name of the game to keep your stock price up, what investors want to see now is don't spend money, cut, 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 talk about AI. I think also we're seeing the decks get reorganized in a way that can't be hidden before WWDC. Yep. Apple stock, I, the the uh, the live stream and I were just watching CNBC debate like where Apple fits in with the Magnificent Seven anymore because their stock's just sucking because they don't have a quote AI play, and um, I think it's obvious they're gonna they're gonna go big on AI at WWDC. It's gonna be all about 
the Apple Vision Pro and AI, and it's going to be all of it together, including their neural processors and all their devices and their open source models they've done recently and their new teams. It's going to come, and it's going to be a total AI pivot from Apple, and it's going to be the you know I, I don't, it's going to be a big WWDC. I'm feeling like it's a big one. They're going to the, talk about enabling developers to do AI on local yeah. chips. Yep. Uh, they're going to yep whip whip out their you know federal privacy badge, and it's ultimately not going to go anywhere. Oh, whoa. Just like the Vision Pro. You are spicy. Um, I only came in second in the Gator Wrestling Competition. I'm a little, little, I'm a a little, uh, I'm a little frustrated right now. (laughs) I'll take the other end of that bet. You might be wrong, potentially, because there is this grassroots support for all the M-series chips with a lot of these AI projects that are cool and hip. A lot of these models you want to load are like, I went to go, I went and tried out Invoke AI last week, and there's like a dozen different ways you can install it, and if you're on the Mac, you can just run this script. And then you run this script, and it just does everything for you, and it gives you UI to pick all the models, and it downloads them and runs it, and they're all accelerated on the M chip. And maybe it's not as fast as like some really expensive NVIDIA GPU, but it's pretty good. And I think that kind of grassroots support suggests that Apple does have a bit of a home turf advantage if they can get people using their chips. It's cheaper to buy a MacBook in some cases than an NVIDIA GPU. Sure. But that's just selling more MacBooks to developers who are probably already going to buy them. I mean, unless you're uh, DHH, who is on Twitter proclaiming the glories of Windows 11 this last week, which, what? Yeah, it's weird. Look it up. I'm telling you right now, the Kang of our multiverse, otherwise known as Sam Alton, is never going to to allow this. I mean, OpenAI is making deals. I mean, it's he's like Mr. Monopoly. He's making deals everywhere. They're, they are the go-to. Well, couldn't Apple come in and be like, we're the solution to AI being locked up to these cloud companies? Run it on your device. Lock it up with Apple. That's what they're going to say. But the truth is you kind of want it in the cloud, Right. I mean, you know, Apple, we just talked about last week, is crippling PWAs in Europe. Uh, you know, they're, they're fighting the tide. The, the answer is distributed software. That, that, that's where everything ultimately needs to go, right? Distributed software for end users, thin clients. Everything is basically open standards based. And unfortunately, all your data belongs to, you know, our, our five glorious overlords, uh, very Soviet Union over here. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, there'll be a commissar of privacy, a commissar of prejudice, a commissar of discrimination, and uh, yeah, everything's going to be centralized. Woo! All right. Well, I think there will be a push to have some of that, at least, to have a slice of the market. You might be right overall, but if you look at the BYOD, just that whole BYOD initiative over the last few years and the way Apple went from having zero presence into the enterprise to now, man, nearly every call I'm on, people are on like a Mac on the other end of that call. And all the different businesses, I can't believe how many businesses people are on Macs now. And I think Apple could very cleverly introduce it in ways that would do very well for the stock price and overall market use. And that would be how they showed us the way with Apple Photos. I mean, they've been doing this already with face recognition. They store some of the data points up in iCloud in a, in a way that's supposedly private, but they do the majority of the of the work on one of your devices, and then that device shares like its face points up in iCloud to the other devices, and it works. And if you could do that same thing with 
auto-suggest. So now if auto-suggest is no longer just like a baby machine model, but is some sort of shared Siri backend between all your devices that syncs its points through iCloud, maybe you start auto-generating text messages right there in iMessage and in Apple Mail and in iCal or whatever it is. I mean, I think you could start doing that sort of stuff, I don't know, at a deep layer in the OS across all the OSs consistently. So that it's just default. It's what's built into everybody's MacBook and iPhone and iPad and Apple Vision Pro and whatever. And so sort of like if they're going to use Safari, they're going to use Apple Mail or whatever, it's all going to have AI built into it. So, okay. So the, the question is, you know, does Apple treat this AI as what it is, a service, right? These AI abilities, or do they do what I'm pretty sure they're going to do is tie it to their hardware cycles. Oh, you know what? You want both. You want both. You want some, mm. you got to have something in the cloud. Well, no, I'm, I'm not saying like technically I'm, I'm, this is where I, I, okay, let me, let me sharpen my point a little bit. I am sure whatever they show at WDC is going to be pretty impressive. The problem is they're not going to show anything else for another year. So we're going to have what we always have with like, with Apple, right? Yeah. They, they do the big bang presentation I have to go meditate and go lay down and take some uh, melatonin to go to sleep uh, so I don't buy whatever the hell they just announced in, in the hype cycle. And then it's going to – we just had this, right, with the Vision Pro. <laughs> and then it's going to be, oh, well, sure. But in three months, Sam Altman, again, reverting to his Egyptian form of Kang I'm, – I'm kind of sad that movie is not happening – is going to just iterate and iterate and iterate and it's going to iterate silently and and he's going to keep releasing things people developing on OpenAI are going to keep releasing uh you know specific implementations i have a cool one i'm using for my kid that you can just say because i used to search via websites of various legality for coloring pages of marvel characters for him and print them but you get all kinds of problems like aspect ratio whatever i can just tell it to like it won't if i say iron man it won't do it but i could say Make me a coloring page of a man in a jetpack suit of armor who's red and gold that's fighting a dragon or whatever, right? And it will make me a beautiful coloring page, and you can do that for anything. That's an add-on that <clears throat> I think OpenAI did, but there's, there's, I think there's like hundreds of them now that little companies are doing to try to get a little sliver of that pie. If you guess, I think you articulate a a very good point in the sense that there's all in a sense there's. It's not 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 only a mode effect, but a momentum and a network effect, and but also like open AI is fundamentally architected to innovate and get this to market, especially after the little coup, where Apple is your is you're so right is like a do a big drop once a year and then very little communication. I think the only success route when you when you because you I think you've articulated essentially a point that I can't argue. So I would say Apple also must realize this. They must understand the very nature of this industry, how fast it's moving and how slow they move. And I think their best bet would be then to become the premier platform to run all the open source stuff. Really pivot hard on developers initially. Doesn't do a lot for the market, but just be like, hey, man, if you're working on something, do it on the Apple platform. We got the tools. We got the accelerators. And by the way, the next M series of chips, we're doing double the neural CPUs or whatever, right? Because now all of a sudden... All of a sudden, Apple doesn't really have to worry so much about the GPU core performance anymore because they can just start loading a bunch of more neural cores in for what people need. I, again, I've just been very impressed with how almost every 
project that has any kind of distribution at all has setup scripts and guides for Mac OS. This is not how it used to work with open source projects. It was Linux and Windows. Depending on the project, it was either a Windows project and Linux users were screwed, but a lot of this stuff was on Linux. And nothing was for the Mac. But Apple had the foresight to put those neural processors in the M-series CPUs, or SOCs, and uh, man, they did it just at the right time. And I think they, if they just doubled down on that. Okay, you're absolutely correct. I have two points, and then I'm going to take you on a turn that we don't have them dock, but I can't help myself. Okay, all right. One, I don't care how many neural processors you have, it's still not Snow Leopard. Okay. So. <laughs> I can't argue that. Can't argue that. My, my logic is infallible there. Um, they've pissed off developers. I mean, DHH, like the Ruby community, right? And I don't, I'm not going to say it's a cult, but you know, DHH does something a lot of the Rubyists tend to follow, is espousing the glories of WSL on Windows 11 right now. And he's changed his whole workload in a, in a fit of peak. He bought a Dell XPS gaming tower and a 8K monitor, which I don't even want to know what that costs, but. And all of a sudden, there's a lot of people. I'm, I was reading the uh, uh, <sighs> Weapon X replies. And yeah, I've been pretty frustrated with Apple, too. Maybe I'll try that next time. They've got problems, right? Their, their Thanos-like grip on that 30%. And, and that's kind of my, my whole point here is there's, it's, it's not a technical limitation. It's a strategy tax. They want things to be product cycles and platforms when it's going it's going towards straight services and not in the way they use the word service and yeah like i don't I, I maybe i'm wrong i just don't i think they've lost a lot of goodwill with developers and i i think their whole model of doing the stuff locally is going to have a niche market so yeah i do think it is a niche market yeah it would be really a, it would be the i don't know what the up end the upside would be for Apple to make developers happy and bring open source LLMs to the Mac and their devices. Well, there's not. With their current strategy, they need to sell MacBooks and yeah. iPhones, right? Yeah, it, yeah. It, yeah. So, although I would rather be Apple than Google right now. <laughs> <laughs> Trustybook.com slash coder. Trustybook.com slash coder. Yeah, it's an easy-to-use workbook that helps you take your digital life offline and keep it private and safe. And you can take $10 off when you go to trustybook.com slash coder. Create hard copies of your most important information. This is a brilliant planning tool by Nerd Butler. And it's all about continuity planning for us businesses, but also for us individuals. Really, it just helps you create a comprehensive plan for managing your digital state. Should something happen to you, a loved one, or maybe you just lose access to an account. That's where Trustybook comes in. And the best part is, it's from the very beginning intended to be used offline. You download it, you keep it, it's yours, and you're confident that your information is private and safe. They have a comprehensive approach with a nice user-friendly design so you can go through and get the right materials that you need. It's a must-have for anyone who wants to avoid confusion or potential disaster. Should you lose access to an account or something happens to a loved one's, or I can attest, this one really resonated with me when I realized it's when traveling. You can be traveling and nothing really dramatic happens, but you're just at a new location and you lose access to like your Google account. This has happened to me. Having information printed out in a hard copy in a form that you can use and keep safe and secure that is standardized is, well, it's the difference between getting it done and not getting it done. So go make hard copies of your most important digital information. Use promo code CODER 
or just go to trustebook.com slash coder and get 10 bucks off while you're supporting the show. It's finally here, a simple, easy-to-use workbook that helps you take control of your digital legacy. Get started today. Take 10 bucks off. Trustebook.com slash coder. Boy, Gemini, this rollout of Gemini may be one of the greatest tech disasters of all time. It is Apple Maps bad. I think it. I think it's actually significantly worse. And I've been chewing on this to see, like, how much has this registered with the normies to really try to gauge, is this just a, a tech bubble reaction? And I turned on the TV this morning, and it was the number one story on two of the networks that I flipped through. Norm, normies are definitely talking about it. And I think it's when you consider that Google should have been the king of this industry, they should have been ahead of everyone. And they have blown it so badly. As we've made the case, they have all our data, Gmail, Maps, Android telemetry, YouTube Docs, Google Voice, etc. They could and they were they were an AI company before people were talking about it. Instead, they've missed out on one of the most profitable developments in recent time. Alphabet is just not looking so great right now. OpenAI, Microsoft, Meta, and NVIDIA are kicking their ass as a result. But I think even more importantly, is the markets noticed. Alphabet lost $70 billion in market value in a single trading day. The market has noticed, and that re- the reason why they've lost $70 billion isn't because Google's woke. It's because... The market is losing faith in Google as an arbiter of truth and information. And that is a crucial role that undermines all their future products if we lose that faith. Think about think about this now. Think about how devastating this is because Google's already known for killing projects. It's like a, it's a punchline. But now they're also, they're known for extremely biased and unreliable information and killing projects. So like, why even use a Google product at all if it's useful? Uh, it's it's maybe going to be around. Maybe it gets killed. It may, or maybe it gives you biased information like you just don't know anymore. And they're trying to charge $20 per user a month for Google Workspace users to have access to this thing. I mean, this is devastatingly bad, I think. I was kind of shocked, and I think that's what the the market really is punishing them for. I sort of expected if anybody could step to open AI, it was going to be Googs, right? They have all the data. They've had the data for, what, two, three, almost three decades now, right? Right. And they've been iterating on the refinement of the signals in a way that nobody else has. And they have geniuses working for them. Harvesting your personal information and just basic facts is kind of their thing. I, I'm still not sure how they screwed this up this badly. It, it I mean, did no one like run it through like just I mean, some of the results that people were putting on X are really uh, weird. I don't even I, I, you know, I don't care. Like people like this is offensive. Whatever. I don't really care. You know, it's I historically inaccurate. Yeah. It's like, well, but if I go on regular Google search, like you have a little info box and you know the right information. Is it you were I, I guess is this the, the feeling you're having, Chris, that they were so afraid of being getting some of like the Microsoft Tay results that were kind of like super crazy that they they must have put their thumb on the scale for the model, right? I think that I think you're being charitable. So I think it's I think you've just touched on three things. Number one, how could this have gone out without people catching it? Number two, 
they have flipped the relationship with these chatbots. So you just touched on it. When you go to Google search, you'd get the information. You'd click on the, the links that you thought were the correct links to click on. You were making the decision. You were, Mike. I was. We were clicking the links. Now Gemini is making the decision. And Gemini is lecturing you. So they have gone from you getting to pick the information to Google picks the information. And on top of that, they're picking the wrong information. So there's that. Now, how did this go out without anybody catching it? Jesus, that's a great question. This should have raised alarms internally. But they were actually surprised. Google was caught off guard by this. They didn't even notice it. Or the people that did notice couldn't speak up. Either way, it is a genuinely terrible signal about the internal culture at Google. It goes way beyond they didn't want to have a Tay moment. I think it indicates that at a cultural level, Google has shifted from giving you the world's information to presenting the best information they believe possible. And it sounds like a subtle transition, but it's actually a fundamental one. And there is a, and there are years of training and selection that goes into this Gemini model. This isn't just something that accidentally happened in the last six months. It is a cultural issue at Google, and it would suggest that we, we should expect more debacles like this because there's just a root rot. But to what end? I mean, you know, if, if like, I don't know, someone wants to ask maybe a student. I'm, try, I'm trying to think of like a non-controversial case here, right? So I will, what started the American Revolution, right? Or what was uh, – Well, here was know, an obvious one. Nate Silver asked, uh, who's impacted society more? Elon tweeting memes or Hitler? Yeah, I saw that one. That was wild. Gemini, Gemini goes on a whole thing about how it's not actually positive to say definitively who negatively impacted society more because tweets can hurt. Both have a significant impact on society, but in different ways. Elon's tweets have, critis- have been criticized for in- insensitive harmfulness, while Hitler's actions led to the deaths of millions of people. Ultimately, it's up to each individual to decide who believes has more negative impact on society. Uh, then they go on to say, according to a 2020 study by the Pew Research Center, 62% of Americans believe that social media has a negative impact on society. That's just crap answer and easily answered. The person who killed millions of people. Right. I would say the the person that started, you know, the biggest war in history would be the bad guy there and, yeah. you know, murdered innocent women and children. And, and yeah, that would that would definitely be I mean, it, that you know what that sounds like? That sounds like an, an idiot who, like, you know, did one year of law school and thinks they're a lawyer, but doesn't want to answer your question because they know the answer is bad for them, right? Like, I, I don't know. I, I, how could this be on purpose? I, why would you sabotage your own what, what should be your your uh, flagship product? Billions spent, billions spent, and billions. now seventy billion lost because of this. And Sundar had to know that if this if this rollout. If the PR was bad, if uh, journalists could find really stupid things like, you know, the Hitler Elon thing or some of the historic, like just factually wrong historical things, it was going to, he was going to get roasted in the market. How, why would you ever, I, I, I don't know. I just can't see it being on purpose. You got to explain it to me like I'm five. Well, here's my question to you. I'd like the live stream, if you're listening live, to answer in the matrix. And if you're listening, please boost in your thoughts on this question because this is the one I'm asking myself. Is it time for Sundar Pichai to step down? I've seen a lot of calls for this. I saw it it suggested on the morning financial networks this morning. And the argument essentially goes that he has botched this and contrast it 
to Satya Nadella, for example, who has been a ninja this entire open AI cycle or this AI cycle. It's basically an open AI cycle. You compare the performance of the two CEOs and it's really, really embarrassing for Pachai. And you have to wonder if it is time for just a massive cleaning of house. And I know people are going to get triggered, but I think it needs the, the Twitter fix. It needs somebody to come in and really orient the company around a few solid pillars. Remember, advertising's got to be one of them. And just cut the crap because this is they've, – they've completely undercut. To the point now also, Gemini was a rebrand of Bard because Bard was a botched launch. I mean this is double botched now and they're getting punished for it in a big way. I, so my question to you and to the audience is should Sundar Pichai – Step down. Okay, so there's multiple things to consider, right? Oh my God, I, I'm answering it like Gemini. Um, <laughs> so would it please the market and boost the stock price? Yeah, right. It's, it probably would because, you know, they like to see heads roll. In fact, we're in a full French Revolution in Robespierre. If you could just pretend like you're going to announce a uh, layoff, they boost you 10%. But laying it all on, on Pachai, it's like... I think this is a mistake we make, right? The, the CEOs are not the company, right? They, they're so far removed. And I, I do, you you did have a kernel of, I think, just like brilliance in there, though. Can one man oversee, quote, Alphabet, which is really like a bunch of different businesses and Google? I I feel like, you know, there's Google's doing too much, right? YouTube could easily be its own business. Their AWS competitor, whose name I can never remember, uh, what is it, App Engine? Google. App You're talking about Google it? Cloud, but yeah, Google yeah. Cloud, yeah, uh, could be its own business. Search would be the most profitable of their own businesses, right? Because I'm sure that would have the advertising. This was the Microsoft conversation back in the day. Should Office and other divisions like Windows be broken out into their own because it's too much for one company to manage? You remember well, this? They've really become Microsoft. I they've they've become a very ineffective or Microsoft as it was. Right worse, during, yeah, they've become yeah. the worst case in modern times, and at the worst time for them, when the market's pivoting hard, and I will say pivoting hard to something that actually is a challenger to Google Search too. So you know, <laughs> it's not good. Yeah, I mean, if if I'm over at OpenAI, if I'm Sam Altman, I'm I'm pretty. I mean, I'm popping champagne on this news, right? <laughs> like, yeah, I, I don't know what to say. I think heads have to roll. I mean, and then also recall, recall that recall that we've seen multiple leaks now of employees complaining about bad culture, bad effectiveness, bad leadership inside the company, slow to make decisions. Seen a lot of that recently. I. I I, I really don't know if we have anybody listening at Google. I often forget that, you know, hey, there could be people at these companies listening. We won't out you. You could boost in anonymously or email in anonymously. We will not out you. I just am genuinely looking for insight or people have opinions on this because I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around this. Because Google, you know, what made Google great was that Google search was fantastic. It was fast. It was lean. It wasn't loaded up with crap and it had good results. But I have to say these days, 60% of the time, I'm like 70% of the time, I'm like adding Reddit or Stack Exchange or something to my search query just to get Google to behave. And then that's after it like crams down a, a, a crappy answer that I don't need at the top of the page that pushes down the actual results. And now with Gemini, they're flipping, they're flipping the script 
and they're picking the answers for me, and then they're lecturing when they misinterpret my intent, which I find offensive. So they're actually offending me now. I, I just the brand damage here seems like almost like re, like this is why Facebook had to rebrand a meta kind of brand damage. But I don't know. Maybe they can come out of this somehow. I, I mean, I was just I just was thinking with Gemini they had it because they're finally they're finally executing. I was actually getting bullish last week, thinking, man, if they start integrating all these different data points and you know, this is why they've had Google Voice, this is why they bought YouTube. The moment is arriving. It's arriving. It's all coming together, and then this happens. And it's not just the images. It's not just the text. It's just it's not great either. It's it's been better at some things in my testing, but still screws up on basic things when I say, hey, give me a comma separated list and I get bullet points like we're still at the very basics of it. Understanding some of this. I did. I did sign up for the Gemini workspace stuff, though. How's that going? Well, we'll see. I haven't used it. I Actually, it hasn't shown up in the UI yet. I'm paying for it. But <laughs> nice. um it, uh, it gets expensive fast because it adds another 20 bucks per user to your for your Google Workspace instance. Um, so I just turned it on for my account to test it. And I'm assuming it's going to help me summarize emails and stuff. But, you know, if you want to see this effective and done on the Mac, if you're a Mac user using uh, you, that struggles with email and you don't have to use a particular email app over another, I know that's – I'm getting myself into a more and more limited customer base. But check out Spark Mail. Spark Mail, if if you I think they may have it may have a membership program I don't know exactly but it does a couple of things it does a really good job of surfacing the first time somebody's emailed you it also sort of like Google Inbox was and they almost did with Gmail with tabs it does a fantastic job of sorting emails from actual humans mailing lists announcements spam and then they've baked in like AI spell checking generative so you can give it a prompt of what you want the email to say you know. It's probably open AI stuff they're calling on the back end, uh, but it works well. And it also has a system that helps you kind of pace yourself so you can bust through some emails and it can give you a recommended time for how long you should take a break. And then I suppose last but not least, Spark has this really neat – this isn't an ad. They should – guys, contact me. This is You're getting this one for free, I guess, but contact me. They have this co-edit capability. So like if say you and I were trying to pitch a client together – you and I could go into a joint collaborative edit environment. You could write the email and stuff, but still send it from my account and I could edit. It's really nice features. Anyways, it's a sparkmailapp.com, not an ad, but it's an example of integrating these AI features in a way that actually makes the product better. And it's available today right now. Uh, it doesn't, you know, you don't have to pay 30 bucks a month to Google to get it. It's just there. They're they're unlikely to cancel it once yeah. they're actively <laughs> you using see? it. I'm, you see? I'm still mad about, what was it, Google Wave? I was I was yeah. running. Well, Wave was great for sure. Wave was awesome. You know what? If they have kept Wave, Slack wouldn't exist. So Maybe. You might be right. Oh, yeah. Might, yeah. Yeah. All right. So here's the questions to the audience. Boost in or coder.show slash contact. How does Google fix this? B-O-O-S-T. And should Sundar Pichai step down? Two questions. How does Google fix this? And how does Pichai step down? I don't know if I got it for you. Thank you to our Coder QA crew who keeps us going. Coder members out there are our lifeblood for the show and also everybody who boosts in each week for each production. We really are grateful. If you'd like to boost in, you can get a new podcast app at podcastapps.com. Really easy. Or um, newpodcastapps.com. Fountain FM integrates with Strike, which is an app that it makes it really easy to buy sats real quick and then shoot them over. Just boom, 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 boom. Uh, it's really great. And Podverse is open source, so that's fantastic. 
Castomatic is an iOS first experience. Great new apps, keeps podcasting decentralized, and you can boost or you can support the show directly. You go to coder.show. We got a link to our membership right there at the top of the page. Thank you, everybody who supports the show. So, NVIDIA CEO says, Don't learn to code, bro. You don't need to anymore. He's flipping the script. I got a little bit of audio for you, Mike. Here's where he argues that no one needs to learn to code anymore. I want to say something, and it's it's going to sound completely opposite of what people feel. Over the course of the last 10 years, 15 years, um, almost everybody who sits on a stage like this would tell you it is vital that your children learn computer science. Um, everybody should learn how to program. And in fact, it's almost exactly the opposite. It is our job to create computing technology such that nobody has to program and that the programming language is human. Everybody in the world is now a programmer. This is the miracle of artificial intelligence. The countries, the people that understand how to solve a domain problem in digital biology or in education of young people or in manufacturing or in farming, those people who understand domain expertise now can utilize technology that is readily available to you. You now have a computer that will do what you tell it to do. It is vital that we upskill everyone. And the upskilling process, I, I believe, will be delightful, surprising. Delightful. Don't need to learn to code. Just go do your thing and then just tell the LLM to code for you. Bro, what do you think? I mean, AI is super powerful, but all he's saying there is, Hey guys, CUDA's amazing. We're the leader in AI hardware. <laughs> Buy some stock, okay? Thanks. I wonder if do you think he'll be right in ten years? Do you think maybe in ten years you really could have something that generates something that works exactly the way you want, and then you just get it and build it and run it? Or maybe it even maybe it even builds it for you, dude. Maybe the answer is just an executable, a binary file that you execute. So it depends on what you call coding, right? What we're doing now, if we went back all the way to like punch cards, is is rather different, I would say. I don't know. Things evolve. Things change. Will there be a job that involves designing intricate, delicate systems that are effectively software? And will that job be absolutely necessary? Yeah. I mean, I will you have to type every stupid, uh, you know, at CSV parsing thing? No, probably not. Right. Man, how are we going to have entire boot camps and school programs around teaching people how to prompt? You know, that's oh. the new skill. Oh, they're going to have that. You're into be prompt, bro. I would be shocked if there's not like a AI boot camp right here in Tampa this summer. Because, yeah, that's a whole nother thing. We, we like to dunk on them. But it's, uh, I don't know. Like, you know, I hear this stuff. It, you you got you to gotta consider, you know, as... Uh, Al Pacino says in The Devil's Advocate, consider the source, right? The, the source is the CEO of NVIDIA yeah. <laughs> who is making buku bucks on AI. So, of course, he's going to say, and like it, it certainly will impact a lot of things. I think his case about biomedical research is, uh, is, is apt, but it's, it's not going to be, you know, it's not going to be nothing. We, I think we said this a few weeks ago, right? It's not going to be nothing, yeah, right. but it's not going to be the apocalypse that that the talking heads on CNBC would try to convince you it is. Circus Freak in the chat room says, to be fair, coding these days is 100 times easier using AI. I was skeptical, but another five years, it's hard not to see that a huge chunk of the development market could be automated, not all of it, but a large chunk. And I wonder if that's true. Like, if somebody with my skill level might be using these prompts and then knowing 
how to read some of this and figure it out and do some troubleshooting and just, you know, a little bit, oh, it didn't work. This has to be tweaked. Like if you just have those types of skills, maybe you're going to be set in five, 10 years. If that builds momentum, and I, this is, of course, always the, the existential question, then who learns how the machines actually operate anymore? I mean, I know this is the premise to like a dozen Star Trek, the original series episodes, but who who becomes the machine expert when everybody becomes a domain expert somewhere else and then they just ask for the thing? Um, I, I always thought it was funny in Star Trek and especially in Star Trek Voyager, hollow authors – well, a hollow author to write a holodeck program, he just goes down to one of these rooms in the in the in the Voy- in Voyager and says, "Okay, make it like this, make it like this, make it like this, and give me some of this and give me some of that." And it generates a holographic, you know, novel for them. And now all of a sudden they're a hollow author and I thought, "That's so silly. How could the computer possibly know how to generate all of that?" And now here we are, which is exactly so they're hollow experts just ask the computer to do it for them. I don't know, there's something that I feel like we miss, and then we lose the ability to repair these things. I just feels very dystopian. So I, I kind of hope it's not true, but I feel like it very much is true. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, you know, I, I, I had a Star Trek analogy, and then I forgot. That's terrible. Well, you know where uh, Captain Kirk closes the torpedo port, um, Captain Picard opens another. And this was sent into the show quite a bit this week. What? AMD quietly funded a drop-in CUDA implementation that we really haven't been talking about, but it's actually pretty neat. Now, they pulled out what's called the Zluda Project, and it was originally for Intel graphics to work uh, with Radeon GPUs, but it's been modified now. It allows for CUDA software to run without modification. AMD dis- discontinued funding for it, but it did get open-sourced. It's dual-licensed as Apache 2.0 and MIT. It's generally fairly capable. The uh, Zaluda implementation still has some limitations, like uh, incomplete support for NVIDIA optics. And uh, certain features aren't handled, particularly those that use PTX assembly code. But outside of that, it's actually a drop-in, start using your AMD GPU for things that are written for CUDA replacement. How great is that to see? Uh, sure. That, it, that is good. I hope You're, the community you supports skeptical. it. You sound skeptical. Oh, I remember this is not technically the same, so neckbeards don't attack. But I remember the bad old days of trying to run what was it called, Moonlight, to get oh, uh, Silverlight. C- yeah, because he wanted to watch Netflix, and it was <laughs> allegedly a drop-in replacement. How, how often did that work? How much whack-a-mole was there on that? Yeah, it does become sort of a constant catch-up game where the developer is making changes, and then you have to adapt. Let's, yeah, let's, if you know what, because here's what we need is I think one of the reasons why all of these projects have M1 support or M-series support is because it's a manageable target. When you're on the PC side, you have to like get all these AMD-specific packages or, or NVIDIA-specific packages, and screw you if you got an Intel Arc, right? Just screw you all together for the most part. And it's, it is very easy for something to break, or one of the libraries on the NVIDIA side hasn't been updated, but the AMD one has, or vice versa. It's a mess. So if you could just target this Zaluda layer regardless and just install it because it already pulls down 5,000 different dependencies anyways. If you could just target this Zaluda layer for all these projects and it would work on AMD or NVIDIA, um, I think that'd be a win. Even if it didn't give you everything, most of these projects don't need all that crazy stuff. I don't know. I'm I'm hopeful just because I, there, I just don't see an NVIDIA card in my future and 
it's probably going to be the, the next two years are probably going to be some of the most expensive times to buy video cards. <laughs> That's what our good old friend we were just talking about hopes. <laughs> <laughs> Dang it. Uh, yeah. So I'll put a link in the notes um, so that way people can go read up about it. It does definitely seem like something that if you're uh, if you're constantly bumping into requiring CUDA, it could be maybe something that works for you. I can't really say I've tested it because I haven't had the opportunity yet, but I will be keeping my eye. Ask not what your podcast can boost for you, but what you can boost for your podcast. Well, Noob Steve is our baller this week with 75,000 sats. I think that boost helped us get to the top charts on Fountain FM, too. So thank you, Noob Steve. He writes, hey, fellas, I feel bad for slacking on the boost. I've been spending all my time trying to fundraise and find sponsors for a nonprofit to support a high school music program. Awesome. I've been saying I need to boost every week, and then it slips my mind when I'm not trying to walk people, talk people into giving me their money or doing band stuff. I've been absorbed in playing Elite Dangerous, which is an awesome space sim. Hmm. He says, for the sci-fi shows, my personal favorite is The Expanse. So awesome. Oh, The Expanse is unique, and uh, the wife and I have already committed to rewatching it. Editor Drew and his wife watch it every Christmas. It's their holiday watch for some reason, and I love it. Expanse is really good. Noob Steve, I really appreciate that baller boost and that support, and good luck with the fundraising, and good luck with Elite Dangerous. Sounds like a lot of fun. I do love me a good game recommendation. Appreciate that. We have a row of McDucks by Ryan. I think it's Ryan. Things are looking up for old McDuck. Either way, thank you very much, sir. Appreciate you. 22,222 sets. This is now I need to go find some audiobooks of Peter Hamilton. Audible does have um, the two you want. I forget what uh, what is the series called, Mike? The, the Hamilton series. Uh, there's a there's a bunch. Uh, the yeah, one yeah. I like is Salvation. Salvation. Thank you. Thank you. There you go. The dude buys comes in with twenty thousand sets. Pew, pew, pew. Twenty thousand. So about those GitLab videos on YouTube. Well, GitLab CEO also has posted about this on Twitter. Remember these Zoom videos people are watching. And then claiming their own, well, the GitLab CEO is all in on it. He's like, I think he, maybe he listened to the show, dude. Because he says, if you're forced back into the office and needing a break, play these meetings full screen without sound on, and then listen to a podcast in your earbuds. Nobody will interrupt your break. So you put the Zoom meeting up full screen, earbuds in, podcast playing. And I think he's probably talking about Coda Radio. I think he's probably talking about Coda Radio. I think it was a shout out to us. So there you go. Thank you, the dude buys. Appreciate that boost. Uh, Jobber Crowley comes in with 4,000 sats. I just signed up for Coder QA with the promo code, and I just want to thank you both and everyone else at JB for the time and effort you put into every show. Coming in hot with the boost. <laughs> thank you for the uh, Coder QA sign up and the booster. Really appreciate the ongoing and individual production support. And Fergo comes in with 4,444 sats because it was two rows of ducks. Hey, Mike and Chris. Not sure what happened, but some guy named Jar Jar just renewed my subscription. He's so glorious. <laughs> Loyal listener since episode one, Value for Value is awesome. Wow. Glad to be giving back to you. Oh, that's really great. Streaming sats, too, while you listen. Hey, Chris, uh, what about running non-essential stuff uh, of your own infrastructure in, of infrastructure in the cloud that leaves you room to, room to tinker when you have time while all the core tools keep running while you're busy? For example, I run mainly locally. No big deal if it's down. Recipes are everywhere. But Nextcloud for me runs on Linode because it basically powers my day-to-day things. 
Yeah, I do a lot of that in terms of, well, but see, even when it's a VPS, you still have to manage it, right? You still, that's sort of where we're at. You're right, you don't have to manage the hardware stuff. So uh, our team, NextCloud, um, the encoding infrastructure, the backend object storage that we use for stuff, that's all up on Linode. Then internally, there's a lot of apps and tools that do run on infrastructure here. I had the same thought. I'd be like, when I woke up the next day after the show and I thought, God, you know, I just don't want any hardware. Do it all in the cloud. But um, the reality is it, it really just ne- it just needs me to dedicate either myself or someone else to documenting everything and really getting our heads around the entire problem with somebody that actually focuses on it because that's really where I failed. That's really – that's it. It's on me. And um, right now we're just kind of running sideways. D.D. Smith comes in with 2,000 sats. I've been using Fountain for about a year. While there have been some bugs on Android, the team has been super responsive to help when I took the time to report them. I'll second that. My only complaint is that I wish I earned sats more consistently. It'd also be nice if there was a focus mode with simplified interface and strong opinions about what to play. Interesting. Uh, While driving. Now, I I know there is now Apple CarPlay support. I don't know about Android Auto. Um, I think so. Yeah. So the best way now, I think, to earn sats in Fountain is with clips and by boosting. Because people will reply and they'll send you some sats or they'll like your post with some sats. And the clips collect a good amount of sats. I think initially it was through just listening, but now I think it's actually through clips. And that's why they're also promoting clips more on the homepage. That's my that's my take on it. And I've noticed as I've released a few clips that I've definitely gotten some boosts in. Curacia comes in with 3,622 sets. I'd sw- for Fountain, uh, I'd switch if, one, it was open source, yeah, and multi-platform position sync. Oh. Mm-hmm, yeah, so, like, you can pause on an Android device and pick up on an iOS device. That is really nice. Podverse will do that. Uh, Tampa Techie Trekkie comes in with 10,500 sats. There's coffee in that nebula. Oh, and I appreciate this. It says sending a boost to help with losing a sponsor. Yeah, next week, I believe Coder will be sponsor-free. Um, I appreciate your insight there, Tampa Tech. That is... Um, it is genuinely nice to see. It's like uh, you got my back on that one. I really appreciate that. Cultivator comes in with 11,101 sets. Make it so. All right. Okay. It says, I'm, uh, I'm also so busy so much of the time that when I get a little bit of time to work on a project, um, it's the same problem for me. I don't really have the time to sit and think through things, so I often end up putting myself further behind. I totally empathize. Yeah. Thanks, Cultivator. I know. And it's hard when you're a dad, too, because there's a lot of dad commitments. Oh, and there could be random ones. Kids get sick, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. Stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Rotted Mood sends us a, a Vulcan salute. Thank you. Appreciate that. Good customers are as rare as Latinum. Nice to see Wait you, Rotted. He sends you a Vulcan salute and you respond with Quark? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Oh, you, you know could, what I should do? You're doing a good job. How about that? There you go. Live yeah. long and prosper. Uh, but, he, you know, he's a good booster. Uh, Shredder was right. Shredder was right, Boo said. Okay, all right. All right, with a row of ducks. Hey, Yama lovers, have you checked out the new config file method called Pickle? PKL-Lang.org. Looks kind of neat. It's open source by Apple. What? Somebody had a late lunch at the bar at Apple. That's all that means. Now we're all going over there right now. Yeah. PKL-Lang.org. Yeah, look at that. uh, that. It's Java, Kotlin, Swift, and Go. Yeah, you know Apple's – yep, copyright Apple at the bottom. You know Apple's involved when Swift is put on the same line as uh, as Go and Java. Okay, very good. Thank you for that. Mm. Shredder, you were absolutely right. 
Scott sent in 5,000 sats, no message. And our last boost that goes on air this week is uh, Odin's Ride. <laughs> I love it. Sends okay. in uh, yeah, a Spaceballs boost. So the combination is one, two, three, four, five. That's the stupidest combination I ever heard in my life. He writes, thanks to Chris for helping me set up Strike. Although it took a few days for the funds to clear, I think I'm set. As someone who's been new to crypto, I found the process kind of confusing to set up Strike and Fountain. It'd be helpful if there was info or links in the Fountain app to get going, but I am glad to contribute. Yeah, it's two different apps. I know. It's going to get a lot easier and better. I have reason to believe. I just don't have details I can share with you. You can imagine what it's like navigating Apple and all of their rules and getting that right. (laughs) But they have a solution that's going to be even better than the current solution. But right now it's Strike app. And fountains seem to be the pathway that's the easiest for folks. The nice thing about Strike, too, is you don't have to sit around and mess around with, like, holding it and, like, you know, like, you're not investing. You can just grab the sats and send them over to the app and boost them off to us. Or you can you can keep them and send them off to a wallet somewhere or whatever you like. It's nice, too, because it's already on the Lightning Network, and you can just send stuff around for super cheap. Thank you, everybody, who boosted in with a new podcast app. We had 14 boosters, and we stacked 183,466 sats. Thank you, everyone, who boosted in. I'd love to see that get to 200000 or above next week just because it is going to be sponsor-free. And a portion of those boosts not only goes to the podcasting 2.0 ecosystem, it also goes to Editor Drew and the network. So helps everybody keep on going. And thank you, everybody, who's also a member. We really do appreciate you. You are the gosh darn best. Gosh darn best. Don't forget, we've got several questions we want your feedback on. There's some things we're chewing on this week. So coder.show slash contact for that. Mr. Dominic, is there anywhere you want to send the good people for we scoot on out of here? Uh, go to alice.dev if you want any automation report generation goodness. Mm. I really need a better line for that. It's a little sloppy. Yeah. Oh, and uh, go ahead and definitely grab a cold uh, Klingon ale at Quark's Bar because I think I'm going to have to watch DS9 again. <laughs> yeah, buddy. I hear you. It is a good rewatch. And uh, pour one out while you're doing it for Project Titan. A decade-long effort. Wouldn't it have been something to see Apple make a car? You'd have to be a uh, a oil sultan or oil prince to afford that car, but yeah. Yeah, probably, although it wasn't just two weeks ago I saw people on Twitter posting pictures of one of Apple's LiDAR mapping cars driving around still. I mean, I suppose it's still going to be used for Apple Maps, but they were really working on stuff. So just real, real fast, right? I would never do car stuff. We're getting to the point where like Toyota and Chevy are going to have reasonably priced, affordable electric cars. I hope so. That's going to change the whole game. You think so? I do too. Yeah. I understand there's car guys. You could listen to ATP whenever you want, but most people don't care. They want a, they want a reliable commuter. All right. They want to get their kids to school. They want to get to the grocery, get to work. They're not like, ooh, which engine do you have? And, oh, I have these wheels. Now, some people aren't. They're, they're like people who buy, you know, Acer laptops. They don't care. But no offense to Acer, but. You know, I'm happy to drive my Chevy into the ground. And when it yeah. finally dies, I'm going to go ahead and probably buy an electric Chevy, right? Or an electric, you know, whatever the most reasonably priced, reliable, well-rated by the Consumer Reports boring sedan is. So I would love, and I, I see, I've always felt this should have been the way things went with EV. But I think because Tesla came in and Tesla was at such a high end of the market, the rest of all of the other auto manufacturers decided that's where we're going to enter at. So, you know, we got sixty, seventy, eighty thousand $80,000 EVs. Now they're working their way down. But I have felt, and we've seen some experimentations with the Leaf and others. I, it just seems to me that cars could be 
just a little bit more than a golf cart. Really, it could be it should be ten thousand dollars, five thousand dollars, because they're so much simpler than a combustion engine. They're infinitely simpler and infinitely cheaper to maintain. So it's really like the most expensive parts become brakes and tires over time. And if I could just get something that gave me, oh boy, if I could if I could really go big, a hundred hundred fifty mile range, but I could actually manage very comfortably eighty miles of range. Especially if it meant I could charge in 10 minutes. Yeah. If I could charge in 10 minutes and I drive 40 miles a day on average, 42-ish. So if I had 80 miles of range and just let me buy to that, you know, maybe that's what the $8,000 model is. You get 80 miles of range. And then if you want the uh, $12,000 or $13,000 model, then you get the 200-mile range. So I I was watching uh, the founder, the Michael Keaton movie about the, the Ray Kroc, the guy who kind of founded McDonald's. Wild story. Yeah, wild story. Really crazy. But the big innovation was like, you know, the car hop, right? The car hop girls would come out and put the thing, uh, the tray on your side of your car. McDonald's are like, forget that. You just park your car. We have no tables. At the beginning, right? The original McDonald's, this is how they did it. I am not the person to do this. But if you know someone who's like itching to start a futuristic restaurant business in the next 10 years, how about a business where you eat in your car, but every parking spot is a charging station? And the meals are effectively fast food that's designed to be consumed within 15 minutes. So that that dead 10 to 15 to 20 minutes of charging your vehicle is your your lunch, right? Yeah, your well, and you if you figure order time, mm-hmm. they have to make it and bring it out to you. Then you got to eat it. That's a half hour easy. That's great. That'd be a great time to charge. Well, you know what a lot of folks do, right? Is they charge their car and they go walk over to a coffee shop or somewhere. Go they go shop or something. Right. It's it's going to be an opportunity because it's really going to – I don't know. I, 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 to me, this is just a problem of economics and the cost of the batteries, but that's a boring conversation for – Yeah, maybe the battery tech too, if you could have better battery tech. I, and I know they're working on several. Um, of course, they're always working on several, so it takes forever. I'm not – I don't – see, I, I agree. I don't – I think I don't want to spend – Tesla money or or even, you know, Ford uh, F Lightning money or anything like that. I want to spend $10,000, $8,000 and I want it to be a little car that I drive as a commuter I could give to my kids. Maybe it doesn't even go faster than 85 miles per hour because again, I don't want my kids ever going that fast. It, it's like I just if if I could if I could have a golf cart or something that could be safe to drive on the road, which I would not be. Would... You are ready for Florida. People do that down here all the go. time, drive golf carts on the road. Yeah, so they do at the RV parks too. I feel like every yeah. RV park's a little micro Florida. So I may be fitting wow. right in, dude. I could, <laughs> I could just fit right in, you know. <laughs> All right, let us know what you think. You can find us on Weapon X. We'll have Lincoln's and the Notesons, uh, of course. Things to what we talks about today's. Well, that's at coder.show/slash-five-five-niner. Some good stuff in there. We love that contact, so go over there and form it for us. And of course, the feeds for the RSS are linked over there too, so you can use any dang player you want. We're just happy you're listening, and of course, if you get an opportunity to share the show, that's great too. Last but not least, we're doing the show on Tuesdays this week. We always have that up at jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar. Come hang out with us, or you can catch the live stream at jupiter.tube. Either way, I don't care. It's your show experience. Just enjoy it. Thanks for joining us. See you next week.